Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks so much for making your way here, checking out this series. You know what to do. You've heard these things. You know what to do in podcasts. If you uh, like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. It makes a world of difference in what we're doing here, uh, you know, to keep everything going the way it's supposed to go. And you can do that at all the usual places like iTunes and Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I put out three brand new interviews every single week, a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up. Follow your favorite artists, discover some new ones, just know what's happening in the music world. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, once again, the legendary Paul Weller. We're going to be talking about his new record called Fat Pop, Volume 1. It's an album that finds uh, Weller displaying a set of, uh, of finely crafted, catchy songs, thus the title, Fat Pop. Volume 1. Well, the Volume 1 is something entirely different. We're not even sure that there will be a Volume 2 at this point, but um, yeah, we'll give him this one anyway. So we're going to get into his early love of the Beatles and their use of substance within a pop song. Uh, having Leah Metcalf of the Mysterines guest on one of the tracks on here, pinning a tribute to Iggy Pop in the uh, song Moving Canvas. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about the Gorillas just for fun. Doesn't even pertain to anything. And he'll tell us about his uh, upcoming 21-22 uh, tour plans and much more. It's Kyle Meredith with Paul Weller. Hello, Kyle. Congratulations on Fat Pop Volume 1. You've made another spectacular record. You've, you've done it again. Well, thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun to listen to. Um, I thought maybe at the first we'd actually get def some definition here because... Uh, uh, do you define pop uh, on this record? Is there is there a pop definition for you? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just the title, you know what I mean? So I don't want to get too sort of deep in it. But I just thought, um, just really strong songs, you know, songs that uh, that could stand alone, independent of, a, of an album. And that's kind of what I was going for, really. Just very short, concise tunes, you know. But I suppose, you know, everyone measures pop in a different way, I suppose. Thanks, man. I think, um, you know, for me, it's just sort of growing up and all the songs I sort of heard as a kid growing up, you know, whether it be Motown, whether it be the Kinks, they were just all great melodies and uh, lyrically great and, yeah, just the whole thing. 
was wondering if you had any of those uh, pop idols in mind as you were kind of thinking about that. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, I measure it from most artists, right? From most kind of artists, the Beatles and etc. And the, but that's just look at my age, you know. That's what I grew up with. But I, I thought there was a lot of substance in those records, and you know, they were pop, but they were they were great songs as well. Every bit as good as the songs that came out of the forties or fifties, and songs that are still getting played and people still love today. You know, I mean, they're kind of um, the longevity as well. But that's because they're well-crafted songs. Yeah, the um, the substance is important because, you know, it's one thing just to do, a, I guess, a love me do if you needed to. But these are much more than that. I mean, there's there's things going on. Uh, you know, there's concern in some of the songs and there's lots of bright moments, too. But did you ever feel um, musically at odds with the world that this was being created in because for such bright moments on here and, and for, you know, what we've experienced in the last year, was that ever... Yeah. Felt? Well, I think I was trying to write beyond that, really. You know, I wouldn't want to make a whole album about lockdown or COVID because it'd be too fucking depressing, really. But it's, uh, <laughs> but I think, um, but I think, so I'm, I was looking beyond that, really. I was looking beyond uh, just that particular, this particular time. But it does crop. I, well, I think as, a, as I listen, as a listener, it feels like, you know, some of those moments might be inevitable. Like when I hear... Shades of Blue, and I, not lockdown or COVID, maybe what you know we've been experienced maybe here in the United States in the last four years, and the pleasure. I mean, th- those two songs do seem to speak to the moments. Am I am I on the right track there? Yeah, well, well, I mean, definitely with um, with uh, the pleasure, was, uh, that pleasure rather on this on the album that was written last year after the killing of George, George Floyd and the whole BLM thing that happened. Mm. That was a reaction to that. And with Shades of Blue, well, I don't know. I don't think it was born out of um, the lockdown uh, because I started that song probably a year before that. But really, it's a song about um, uh, seeing what's seeing what's really important around you, seeing what's what's really worth spending time and thinking about and love and thought and and uh, so possibly. It chimes with a lot of things that a lot of people felt, I think, during lockdown, that just looking around you, seeing what the good things you have got around you and your family, the importance of your family and your friends and loved ones. But it wasn't written intentionally. It wasn't written about that. I I will tell you, personally speaking, that especially the line about, you know, the people we know, the place we go shape our views, you know, and for for there to be such a rift between family members, I'll, I'll say between me and my family, you know, you have very conservative family members and, and, and very liberal ones, as, as I sit on. And yeah. and, and it, that's what, when I heard that, that's what really hit me. It's like, you know, my experiences, their experiences, and how it's kind of directed us. And, you know, compliments on the power of a song, I guess. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, that's, I think, you know, in, this, in, the, in, in our country, in England, there has been, I'm sure it's probably the same in America and all, but it's been a very divisive time one way or the other and um, and that's the sort of thing we could just really all do without at the moment I mean we have really it's a time of unity and for people to feel united and uh, but I've seen it in England you know we had the whole thing with Brexit that was very divisive amongst a lot of people and then the whole thing with the lockdown and now with the vaccines and all that stuff so yeah, I've sort of always thought about the sort of how to lessen these things that divide us really and try and look for 
what really unites us. Well, I will say, you know, as far as uniting goes and, and kind of switching the subject here to uh, collaboration, because for so much collaboration on this album, it's sort of amazing to hear that, you know, that the a big chunk of it was actually done in isolation. Where did was did, did the collaboration did the uh, the duets or or whatever you want to call them did they get to happen in person mm. or was this really kind of in that farmed out sort of way with everybody on their own because it doesn't sound that way. No, we all got together. We we had a they lifted the lockdown back in the summer last summer, uh, so we all got together then. Uh, but prior to that, I was doing a little bit of uh, remote recording with my band. They were sending like drum parts back and guitar or whatever. But with um, with any of the vocal things, we, we yeah we all got together when we could, and that was probably like last July August time I think. Well, you get a song like True. I mean, your voice isn't the first one that we hear uh, as well, which is really interesting. You know, when you're popping in the Paul Weller right. record, and they're like, "Wait, who is this? What's going on?" <laughs> could you talk a little bit about that? Like, what you know? I guess what went into the thought process there. Well. I wanted to do a song with with um, with Leah. She's Leah Metcalf, who's the singer from a band called The Mysteries, a young mm-hmm. band up from Liverpool. Way. I love them, and I love them. Yeah, great band. Yeah, and she's great, great singer. I think as well. And so we we've been talking for a little while about trying to do something, and uh, but I thought that song was a good opportunity for us, really. And well, it just felt right that she starts the song off. I didn't think of it anything else than on any sort of musical level, really. Yeah, maybe it probably would jar people a bit, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I only make those decisions just based on what's going to sound better musically. It's great, and it really does pull your attention in, too. You know, it's, I mean, that's a great song uh, anyway, but kind of hearing that, you know, uh, I think you may have said at the beginning of this interview, too, but I know you've said in other interviews where you wanted every song to be like a single, and I really do think you accomplished that. Like, there's no, there's no filler (laughs) on this record. Yeah, hopefully not. Yeah, that was the intention. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about other people. Uh, of course, it was you, you wrote with your daughter on, on here too, and you know, writing yeah. is one thing with, let's say, bandmates. And I've talked to musicians who have written with their their actual partners, you know, husband, wives, stuff like that, and they talk about yeah. how it's very, very different because maybe of the control or maybe of the intimacy or something. Does it feel different when it's with your writing with your daughter? Uh, no, it didn't. I've got to say, no, it didn't at all. It was very, very natural. And we just got together around a piano um, in the studio and just, yeah, and she just started singing that chorus. I had the verses already, but I couldn't find the chorus. And then, uh, so, yeah, she just started singing and improvising the words. And then, yeah, it seemed really natural. And then we, and then we, we, we just cut the proper vocals the next day in the studio. Um but yeah, so very, very natural. So, if there were a musical argument between the two of you, who's going to win that? <laughs> um, well, that's a good question. <laughs> and I don't I need know. to get you yeah, in trouble. I don't know. You know, she would no, well, you wouldn't. But if she she would hold out for what she believes in, and so would I. So we'd probably come to a you know, some sort of standoff or compromise. Maybe we come to a compromise. That'd be nicer. That's what the world's all about, right? Some compromise. I should be. Yeah. Did I read that? Uh, did I read it right? The morning canvas is a tribute to Iggy Pop. Yeah, it was my own little tribute to Iggy. Yeah, I just thought, um, yeah, just how great Iggy is, and the fact that, and the fact that he survived, and he's probably now more popular than ever. And I think uh, he is one person who uh, definitely deserves that success as well. 
for what he's been through and um, and put himself through and all that. But I think I just I was trying to write about him more in his, the fact that he's such a great performance artist, apart from his music and whatever else. But I think his uh, his whole thing with his body is his canvas, you know. No, that's what I always feel about Iggy anyway, and I just think he's yeah, one of the greatest performance artists ever. Do you remember, like, it's easy now in retrospect for us, and I'm younger than you, to, to look back and, and, and think of the Stooges and Iggy in the early days as this monstrous band, but in reality, I'm, I'm sure, you know, it, it took a while for people to get aware of them. Like, when did you first become aware of the Stooges? When it, like, were you able to see them live when they were, when they were actually a band? No, not at all, no. I mean, I've seen Iggy in recent more recent years when I've been at fest- various festivals played on the same bill as him and uh, <clears throat> I saw a bit of the Stooges set it was some years ago when they got when they did um, they did their last album together and I can't remember what it was called but it was a great record as well it will come to me it will come to me anyway but uh, I saw them they were on a, they were on a, we were somewhere on a festival in Scandinavia anyway but I didn't see him at the time, no. And I, I don't know when I, when I suppose... Well, he always seems to have been around, really, in my mind. So probably like from the punk days, really, but the first time I would have sort of heard about him or heard about the Stooges. I don't remember him being like the very early, early 70s, but probably from 77. What a performer. And I've only seen him, you know, in the last 20 years myself, but uh, the guy's... Yeah. He is. He's. He's. Is it. Is it a coincidence that the album's called Fat Pop and you've got the song about Iggy Pop? I mean, just that word itself. <laughs> no, I haven't thought about it until you said. <laughs> probably some subconscious link there. Uh, one more song I want to ask about real quick is the uh, the title track itself, because you know yeah. it's a, to me is like this was the ironic one because this isn't what I would actually call a pop song. Like this feels like. This could have been one of those weird uh, gorillas, you know, Damon Auburn gorillas tracks or something like that. Yeah, yeah. What's going on in this track? Because I absolutely love it. I love the feel of it. I just thought it was a great bit of music, right? And I, and it was um, it was something that Stan Kyber, who's co-produced the records, that he put together. It was he sampled me playing over this beat and um, playing like guitar and bass and, and keys and whatever. Anyway, and he sampled. He took took certain sections of what I played and put this thing together, put this track together. So it was a bit of a challenge for me to try and write something on top of it because I loved the music, but it just like, took me a while to find my way into it. Anyway, but I thought, um, well, I don't know, you know, I, I think it's a pop song because it, it's got lots of hooks in it and uh, it's got a structure to it, even though it might not seem that at first, but it's got a structure to it. But uh, it was naturally the yeah, it was the, it was definitely the lead track for me anyway. I thought it was the most different, and I like the vibe on it. Yeah, if you've got more of those in you, I'm I'm on board. I mean, I'm usually on board for anything, but some, it's really interesting what's happening in that one. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, No minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. 
Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. By the way, I had assumed everybody in England had been on a gorilla's track by this point, but it doesn't look like you have been. What's what's going on there? What's Who needs to make that phone call? <laughs> Mm, I don't really have, I listen, I can get the phone calls coming from me anyway, but <laughs> if I was asked, I'd possibly do it. Yeah. But yeah, no, I've got a lot of, a lot of time for Damon anyway, he's a very talented fella. Yeah, we're going to manifest that one, we're going to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> what are you considering for the live return? Because, it, you know, we're starting to get some dates around and everything, do you do you have like, a, you know, are you, yeah. are, are you conceptualizing anything for the live show at this point? Yeah, well, we're hoping we're, hoping we're going to get out on the road in the UK in November, <clears throat> which will be our first tour, and then starting in 22 next year to to continue what we were going to do, you know, which is um, Australia and Japan and Europe and hopefully hopefully the States, uh, maybe in, in the fall of next year in the States, and then we've got another UK tour next year. So we're hoping, yeah, we get to do everything we were going to do in, um, yeah, last year, I suppose, yeah. Well, I- I'm certainly hopeful of it, too. Would love to see you live again. Yeah. And-, and I want to hear these songs. I mean, it's always, as a fan, one of my favorite things is to see the way your musical pendulum swings. I mean, if if the last record uh, that came out last year was sort of this, you know, genreless as a mission thing and then to get something conceptual like this i mean it makes it you know being a fan you know so much uh so much fun uh, anyway yeah do you know well, what your next you. project is because i know usually you're thinking far ahead at this point i'm not at the moment i'm i'm i mean i'm still writing i'm always writing but i'm not particularly writing towards anything i'm just seeing where they let where the songs go to because i'm really keen to yeah, I just want to get out on the road again, and I want to play this album and, and out on Sunset. And True Meanings is another album to come out before that. Mm-hmm. So there's a backlog of albums I really want to play to people. So that's kind of my next mission. So to do that, and then with the record, next record, who knows? I don't know, man. Well, I'll, I'll be at the show when you arrive. I, I will be there. Paul, thank you so much again for taking the time to talk about it. Congrats on this record. Yeah, and, uh, a pleasure. Yeah, take care, man. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Listen, thank you, Carl. Yeah, take it easy. Love to everyone. It's kind of fun to say, but it was only uh, 10 months ago, uh, really, less than a year ago anyway, the last time that uh, Paul Weller and I spoke, and this was about the 2020 record called On Sunset. So I'm going to include that interview here as well as uh, Paul Weller and I talk about his ability to write in multiple genres, enjoying the freedom uh, to experiment in the studio and the importance of uh, not repeating himself. Uh, Regarding the lyrical themes, we got into dissecting how people change, but the system stays the same, how he keeps positivity in the face of extreme turmoil at that time, and how a trip to L.A.'s famous Sunset Strip resulted in a rare moment of nostalgia and looking back. Part two of Kyle Meredith with Paul Weller. Hey Kyle, yeah, I'm good, man. Very good. I gotta, I gotta compliment you on Sunset. You know, every single time you put out a record, I'm always surprised by what you do. I, I'm, I always find myself enjoying it, but I find that there's something extra happening with this record that, um, it's, it's, it's another level for you. I, I don't know if you're feeling that, but, I, but I definitely sense that on my side of things. So my, you know, I'll, I'll start with the compliments and congrats, congratulations on this record. Go, go downhill from here. Um, <laughs> we were reaching, but. We always, we always kind of try and do that. Do you know what I mean? It's, 
I think it's been billed as a few different things on this record. And I know it's not really just just a soul record or an R and B, but I know you're a longtime fan of that. And for those elements that are in this, they are very contemporary sounding. Do you approach those genres different nowadays than you might have in the past? Well, I mean, I'm trying to avoid genres as best I can. I mean, because I think. But to me, the older I get, right, and the more music I hear, it all just gets mushed up into one beautiful thing to me, really. So in one song, there's loads of so many different influences. And uh, and obviously, yeah, yeah I mean, the intention was to make something quite soulful sounding in our own way. But the, but in one song, you know, there could be lots and lots of different little layers and different little um, different influences. So to me, it's all one, really. Well, I know that is especially true in that very first song with Mirrorball. I mean, talking about... So yeah. many pieces, so many sounds, so many movement. I mean, this sounds like a musician's playground is happening right here. W- w- was that the case? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's always beautiful to be. I mean, I've got a very, very, very lucky. Like, we've got, I've got my own studio, which is a nice little part of the world as well, down just outside London. So I don't have to watch the clock and all that stuff, and we have time to chance to experiment and and improvise and whatever but I kind of I sort of had that I didn't I won't say I've mattered all the sounds in my head but I had that kind of little middle bit mapped out kind of how I thought it should sound and how I wanted it to be it was kind of like it was really like with a lot of that was with edits so there was a lot of kind of engineering more in that but I just really had the idea more than the actual song I had the kind of idea on paper and where I wanted it to go and which section you know where this part would be a different section but of course you know lots of things happen as you're just recording you know it, it, spontaneous things happen and, and take it off and like the whole groove thing at the end we just love that groove so much I could just I can have a whole side of that for me but um so all those things just come at come to us at the time you know there are a lot of spontaneous things as well but the actual structures kind of worked out beforehand or at least at least the uh yeah the structure of it yeah well kind of hearing that being able to hear all that in your head because like I said for so many different surprises to kind of pop up I mean that's that's so impressive. And, and and you said that Groove at the End was a lot of fun. I'll bring up another song that I can apply that same phrase to because the song More, I mean, that jam that you guys right. get, that is that is a great moment uh, of the record. And it seems yeah. like that's those moments that you're having all across this, like letting loose and, and just kind of going with the groove. Yeah. Was, was that purposeful or just that happens? Well, I think it just happens, really. I don't know if that's always planned. I mean, we probably did. We probably had sort of already decided we were going to have a long fade out on that track because it felt like it you know we had the idea ideas for brass and get josh on it josh mccrory plays lead guitar at the end but again you know but again it's kind of you know it's a team effort and and a pretty much a uh, spontaneous thing as well really i don't know maybe it's just the older you get you just think you can take a few more liberties really and have a seven minute track and explore it a little bit you know uh, on that song on more did the bass line come first or the idea of a french vocalist because they seem like a very obvious compliment that bass line is a very french style groove to it too well i'm not sure because that that thing you're saying the bass line right it's just me playing the acoustic guitar the dong um so that kind of yeah i mean the whole groove sort of come off that and then stan kai but obviously other producer my producer he had the idea of the, the rhythm section on it and Rhythm pattern on it, yeah. But I mean, that kind of that, that as a song as well. We're kind of very loosely on played on acoustic guitar, so we kind of that was another one we sort of made the arrangement up as we went along. Really, it does seem like a really perfect intertwining of like computer-made sounds and these organic moments, these organic instruments, which a lot of music is. Mm. You know, I mean, a lot of people kind of make that marriage, but it it almost sounds like it's used as a point on this record to kind of 
to show those marrying. And I, I didn't know if that was if, if if I'm off on that uh, on that thought or not. But it sounds like it was sort of made to be obvious like that. I don't know if it, if it was meant to be that obvious. I think it's just uh, it's just us um, using all our, all of us using our best of our capabilities. So me and the band hopefully playing well, and then Stan and Charles is the engineer, you know, really doing their thing as well, you know which is like another instrument again, I guess, you know, sonically and effects and whatever else they do. But um, I think that's just when, because we've all, we've done a number of records all together now in this particular sort of lineup. So I guess all those things feed into it. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of being out on the road for like five years together or however fucking long it's been, it might be longer. Um, I think, yeah, just that thing of all, yeah, just becoming more ensemble playing and, and everyone complimenting each other or trying to. And the engineers and uh, and producer as well. We- now, to find all those sounds, I mean, I, I mean, and I'm talking from record to record because, again, that that's not an obvious thing coming off of a record like True Meanings, you know, being a very different style, you know, and something like that. I mean, swinging that pendulum again. I mean, are are these instances ever reactionary for you? I, I know there's some sense of just letting whatever happened happen, but but especially going from an album like that to an album like that, do you ever find that it's it's reactionary? Like I have to swing away from what I just did. Yeah, no, I don't think I'd be think of it along those lines. I just think, well, I don't want to make another one like that. But maybe I'd come back in a few years' time and do another acoustic record. Who knows? But but I wouldn't certainly want to make a part two. You know, I've never never ever wanted to do that. It was like when Stanley Vogue came out in the nineties, and that was a big record for over here anyway. And I think everyone expected it was going to be Stanley Vogue part two. You know, and it <laughs> just never happens. Do you know what I mean? So. What, what would be the point? Right. Um, maybe more for like, I suppose when you're starting out as a young band, you know, you kind of establish the sound and I could see that, see the point in that. But I'm not at that. So I, I, yeah, I just, I'm just, I'm more conscious of not repeating myself, you know, which gets increasingly more difficult the older you get and the more you do. <laughs> I would imagine. But, you know, I, I think we're, we've all been set up for that. I mean, even going back to those early days, going just from the jam to the style council should have set everybody up for, you know, kind of gearing, getting ready for not knowing what to expect next. I mean, you've, you've made an entire career out of that. And um, <laughs> that's fun. Yeah, I don't. Well, yeah, but, it, but it's more that thing. I, I, I don't like to think I'm repeating myself. That's, it comes more from that. I, w- I want to bring up this song, which is probably one of my favorites off the record, and that's uh, Equanimity. Right. Is this like a pacifist call to action? Is is that a fair assessment? Well, I mean, it kind of works on a few different levels, that song, you know. I mean, for me, right, it's got a different meaning because I'm kind of sort of talking about me and my wife and uh, how we could do with some sort of equanimity at times and in our family generally. But so it's kind of me sort of along those, talking along those lines. But then I can also see it as the general philosophy in the world as well, which will never, ever fucking happen, but one can, one can only dream. But anyway, but, um, yeah, because we live in such extreme times and such extreme behaviour. So I don't know, yeah, so it, it could kind of work on both levels. But, but then the verses are different again, you know, they've got that sort of kind of slight sort of cabaret Berlin 30s sort of thing to them, or it might, anyway. But I say, um, ah, we kind of try and say, you know, look, life is so short. They don't say this in this such words, but life is so short and, uh, and death is one certainty we've got. So we should really try and get, get on them. And so it's got a little bit of that message to it as well, I suppose. I don't know, but, you know, on that grander scale then, um, if we can speak to that for a moment, because I know, you know, for some artists, you kind of, you, you hope to inspire, 
you know, whether it's a, a, a yeah. what the world needs now message, which does creep up in this or whatever. For you, you know, in those moments where you might hope to to kind of push that bigger message, do you ever find that that is a, a heavy rock to pull? Because, you know, inspiring through music isn't new, and, and it is something that we all need from time to time. But, you know, to, to push that message out over and over and over and then look out the world and see what we're in now, does that ever get frustrating? Mm, well, it's frustrating, man, because you're saying the same things decade after decade, and that just means nothing really too much changes, you know. But then you'll see some other act of kindness in the world or just around you, and then you think, ah, oh, actually, I do believe in I do believe in us, and we have got good in us. And including myself, you know, and everyone, really. So, you're, yeah, you inevitably, if you, unless you change your views radically, but you inevitably sort of end up saying the same things because systems never change, do they? That's the thing. I think people sometimes move on and change, but the systems are sort of stay the same, don't they? Do you know what I mean? To have any kind of positivity, that that's what I'm usually surprised with in musicians. And maybe that's a reactionary thing, too. Like, when it gets so dire that, that we kind of, our body just takes over in those positive moments. And I'll bring up another song in here with the first thing with Earthbeat, because that's what I get from that. It's mm. this positivity in the yeah. face of, of what we're looking at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it was written way, way, way before the COVID-19 epidemics and all that stuff and lockdowns. But yeah, that, I would say that's exactly what it's trying to sort of get out. I was thinking of the joy when I was writing it, of the joy that I feel from, uh, and I'm just sound probably very sentimental and sloppy, but I'll say it anyway. The joy I get for when I see my, my baby daughter, she's nearly probably to be three in July. Um, she just is the most, and I'm sure all parents say <laughs> she's, but she's the most beautiful, kind little person, trusting and lovely. And I just think that she encapsulates everything I believe in, really. I was trying to capture. I was trying to put that into that song. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being, you know, sentimental in those moments, right there. Uh, I mean, I think we can all well, connect to that. You know, for me, right? I just look at the things. If nothing else, and I've got many things, I'm very lucky, man. But if there was nothing else, right, I would be alive just to see her. So that's kind of. Yeah, that's what I was trying to capture with that, really. I, I know this doesn't quite fit into that right there, but you know, in, in the in the press release, it, it does mention that this album does take a rare glance in the rear view. And I was wondering if if that's true, was there any particular prompt that brought the looking back? Well, mainly for, it's, I don't know if it's in all the songs, but there's a few songs, obviously, like Old Father Time and On Sunset as well, which I wrote that probably about two years ago. And I went to visit my son, my oldest son, who lives in L.A., in Los Angeles so I went to see him anyway and I was staying really near the strip and I was staying right near the whiskey on that on the corner there and I was staying in a hotel very nearby anyway and so I was just walking around that little neighbourhood and then going down I saw the Sunset Marquee as well that hotel and anyway so a lot of little sort of landmarks which I thought oh, fuck you know I haven't been around here for ages right? and these are the first places I ever saw when I was 19 first time I come to America when we played the whiskey <laughs> and I was trying to think my god yeah it's like sort of I don't know 43 years ago or whatever it is you know a long time ago and um, and not realising how much time had gone by you know and I was thinking Jesus trying to imagine myself as a young man of 19 being in Los Angeles then and uh, and then coming back as, a, as an old man you know anyway so it was kind of a, it was really about that you know and quite reflective yeah I imagine this then I'd just take it further and I'd think well imagine this character who goes looking for like old friends or old lovers and everyone's gone or moved on or married or whatever. And uh, and without realising all this time's elapsed, you know, because you've been busy doing whatever else or living or whatever. So really, yeah, like a little story like that, I suppose. Does that happen with the music at all too? Like, 
Like, you know, it is fun, you know, kind of uh, searching for an artist. I don't know if influence is the right word, but, you know, favorite sounds within it. Like, I'll bring up Equanimity again. Like, I hear a little bit of Beatles in there. And, and there was the moment at the yeah. start of the title track. Like, with that sound of the ocean, it was hard not to expect to hear Roger Daltrey kind of sneaking in, you know, <laughs> you know, something <laughs> like that. Uh, I wasn't thinking of Roger, even though I do love him and I think about him often. But I was just thinking of Los Angeles where I was imagining that sound down by Santa Monica Beach. Suddenly, the uh, the sound of the ocean becomes iconic. You know, it's in a way that I didn't expect. Anyway, that's so. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, the the, the whole record uh, again. I can't compliment you enough on Sunset. This is such a high water mark that you have pulled off here. So again, congratulations, well, man. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, man. Yeah, Paul, it has been such yeah. a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time today. Pleasure too, mate. Yeah. We'll yeah. You. Thank you. Thank you for your kind words as well. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye. See you around. And my thanks to Paul Weller. Again, the new record is called Fat Pop Volume 1. Thanks to you for checking out the episode. Do hit that subscribe button at uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Just subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. After that, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith, uh, TikTok at Kyle Meredith 81 I do hope you like and follow along, and make sure to say hi when you do. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.